Good morning, and thanks for joining me as together we study God's Word verse by verse in Unfolding the Word Ministry. We're in the midst of it, a study of the book of Romans. We're spending time in the first chapter, in the opening section of it really, trying to understand some things about the gospel, which all of the book then builds upon and explains in more detail to us. I want to read to you the verses we've been looking at over the last couple of days. Beginning in verse 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. And this gospel was concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord and through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all of the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Yesterday, we were talking more about the portion of these verses discussing the gospel itself, and how the gospel is all about Jesus Christ. It's a message concerning the very Son of God, the gospel meaning good news. It's rooted in the issue of why Jesus Christ came into this world, what he accomplished while he was here. If we don't really understand who Jesus is, now, we don't really understand why he came and what he accomplished through his death and resurrection. We cannot, by definition, understand the gospel, the good news, because the good news, the gospel, is all about God's answer to the human dilemma, which is sin and the resulting separation from God, both now and eternally. It's not a message, the gospel I'm talking about, it's not a message about how to be happier, how to feel better, how to be successful, how to foster justice in a fallen world. Although there's implications, of course, from the gospel and getting in right relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ in the areas of how we feel, how we approach life, how we address sin and injustice in the world. But the gospel is much more than that. It's a message rooted in Jesus Christ as being the very Son of God. He was the one who, as a man, born in Bethlehem, was descended in the line of David, the promised Messianic line. But how that was not really his beginning, because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, as John 1.1 1, 1 told us. And that Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. There was a real Jesus born in Bethlehem in space and time, not a myth, but that one who was born in Bethlehem, his beginnings preceded long ago. In other words, he never had a beginning. He was always with God and was God, the second person of the Trinity. Our confirmation of that amazing truth, which is theologically called the Incarnation, is seen nowhere else ultimately than in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus from the dead. The empty tomb a resurrected Jesus Christ is the foundation of the gospel, the confirmation of Christ being the Son of God, and a confirmation that, in fact, we have good news at long last from God. Well, today, building on all of that foundation, 
I want to talk a bit more about what this gospel, this good news, resting on Jesus Christ, the very Son of God who lived, who died, who rose again, what this gospel gives to us. In verses 5 and 7 we had, that I read to you today, we identify three things that this one gives to us. Number one, in this one, Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, the resurrected Savior, we find grace. Now, grace from God is talking about unmerited, undeserved favor from God. What we as sinners fallen mankind deserve is separation from God and judgment. We cannot dwell in the presence of a holy God, and because he's a just God, there's an accountability required for our sin. That is the human dilemma. That's the bad news that the good news of the gospel is meant to address. And what we find in these verses is that God, through Jesus Christ coming into this world, living, dying, rising again, that we now have grace from him. It's how you and I, as undeserving sinners, can find reconciliation with the God who is really there. Now, that's good news, <laughs> and that is the gospel. There is grace for us in him. The second thing that it talks about is that we have peace with him. The gospel, the good news, is all about how to find peace with God. Then people say, well, why do I need to find peace with God? Don't I already have it? And the answer is, no, you don't. The Bible tells us that all people, due to sin and conscious choice of rebellion against God, are separated from God. They are alienated from God. And in fact, the scripture says they are at enmity or battle or warfare with God. No, they don't have peace with God. We have restless hearts that only find their peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans 5, 1, which we'll get to as we get to that fifth chapter, we read that having been justified by faith in that gospel, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can find what we do not now have, which is peace at last with the God who created us and before whom we must answer. One of the great benedictions in the Old Testament is found in the book of Numbers, chapter 6, verses 24 and 26. Let me read it to you. It says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. What a great, great benediction. What a wonderful hope. And the human heart desires that outcome that we would find peace with God. But the fact of the matter is, we do not have peace with God. He is not able to be gracious to us apart from the gospel. And as we respond to the gospel, we at long last find the ability to be at peace with God. A <laughs> great hope in that. Then there's much more to say in the book of Romans about that. The third thing it talks about here is our responsibility. Uh, Paul describes it in this way, due to the gospel, we have a responsibility to, as he puts it, bring about the obedience of faith in others. Our task, our role, is to share the good news with other people. That gospel message, if we've heard it and responded to it, that puts us under responsibility to share with others who are living in the bad news about the good news, so that they can also find this one in whom is found grace and peace. And there's no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. 
That's why we share the gospel. That's why the book of Matthew ends in chapter 28 with what's called the Great Commission, where we're commanded to go into all of the world, to make disciples of all of the nations, which means share the good news with them and teach them how to observe all he's commanded us. Well, that is the bottom line. The gospel gives us grace and peace and carries with it some responsibility. In conclusion, in these opening verses that I read to you, in verses 6 and 7, we're also told, in the, in the book of Romans is going to talk a lot more about each of these things, but we're also told that God is now seeing us differently due to the good news. As we respond to that gospel, God now looks at us and we, as he puts it, we now belong to Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, it says, Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people, God's own possession. Uh, once we were alienated from God without God in this world, as Ephesians 2 puts it, now we are his people because of the gospel if we believe it and rest in it and respond to it. If the gospel is all about finding belonging at last, belonging with the Heavenly Father, the one who created us, and for whom we were created. Belongingness. Secondly, he says, those who have responded to the gospel are able in a special way to understand what it means to be, quote, loved by God. And I read those that in to you as well. Uh, now, God, in one sense, loves all of the world. That's the reason he sent his son into the world, to die for them. While it, later in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, while we were yet, God shows and clearly proves his love for us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ came into the world to die for us. Uh, God's love is expressed in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's only those who respond to the gospel who are in a special position then to live within the framework of the love of God and to benefit day by day from his continuing expression of love. Those who do not respond to the gospel have rejected the expression of God's love which would save them, and therefore they are cut off from the love of God in that regard. Finally, he says that the believers are called upon to be saints. The gospel turns us into saints. Now, all believers who respond to the gospel are saints. The difference between us is that not all of us have grown very saintly, because growing and maturing in Christ is how that saint that we've been made begins to be expressed in our lives. And the book of Romans has much more to say about that issue as well. Well, there it is. Lots of clarity now about this good news. He's got much more to say about it, but there is the introduction to us. Join me tomorrow as we move forward and discover in verse 8 some of the reason that Paul feels a special feeling of thanksgiving for those in Rome who have responded to the gospel. God bless.